Well, all of us here this morning have something in common. We all have a mother. We also have a father. Uh, let's not forget that the fathers around. Perhaps we should call the both days we share parents' days rather than mothers' and fathers' day. And this is a day on which we choose as a society to honour our mums and to celebrate the contribution that our mothers have made to our lives and to that of the society in which we live. It's not just what they contribute to us, but it's the society as well. It is a day on which we can get overly sentimental and get all mushy and gooey and say things that perhaps aren't quite true. And it's also a day that has become incredibly commercialised. And as Ali's already said, it's, it's a day that's not necessarily Happy Mother's Day for some families. It can be quite a difficult day for all sorts of reasons. And I want to acknowledge that this morning. And that's why I've chosen where I've chosen to go, to look at these mother aspects of God this morning. Because beyond what we experience on earth, we find great attributes in our God. But um, I don't know, some time ago I saw these kind of bumper stickers about women. Um, Coffee, chocolate, men. Some things are just better rich. Another one was this, warning. I have an attitude. And I know how to use it. Of course I don't look busy. I did it right the first time. And then this is one I actually use when I uh, do stuff on marriage. A husband looking through the paper came upon a study that said that women use more words than men. Excited to prove his wife to his wife his long-held contention that women in general and his wife in particular talked too much, he showed her the study results, which stated men use 15,000 words per day, but women use 30,000. And it's, it's actually true. His wife thought about this for a while, and then finally she said to her husband, It's because we have to repeat everything we say. What? (laughs) I I could go on from 40-year store, but I won't. A scene that I love seeing repeated in our home was one of of our nursing babies cradled comfortably in Sharon's arms as she fed them. For all three, the two girls and the boy, it didn't matter which one of them. It was a scene that spoke so powerfully of of bonding, of warmth, of security, of love, of compassion, of nurture, of intimacy, of care, of devotion, and I could go on. I, in some senses, just couldn't get enough of that scene of our children cradled in their mother's arms. And through the prophet Isaiah in that passage we just read, God asks this question, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And I want us to reflect on that very human scene just for a brief moment this morning. 
Um, I got a little chuckle this week. I'd never read Matthew Henry's commentary on, he has one on the whole of the Bible, and he was a Puritan preacher around 1700, so late 1600s, early 1700s. And Puritans, very straight-laced. You would not expect a Puritan preacher from the pulpit to talk about a baby on its mother's breast. So I got the shock of my life and had a little chuckle when I read this. A nursing mother, most of all, cannot but be tender of her suckling child. Her own breasts will soon put her in mind of it if she should forget it. In other words, the milk's just coming on and coming on, and if she forgets that baby, it's pretty painful for her. There's a hormone called prolactin that keeps up the milk production as that nursing baby goes on. And so there's this push in a mother that really she can't forget this baby. There's also something else remarkable that happens. There's a, as the baby is suckling, another hormone is released in the mum. It's called oxytocin. It's what we call the bonding hormone. And it also creates that sense of contentment that is so much a part of this picture, a picture of tenderness and of love. It's kind of like an emotional scene, isn't it? So it's hard for mothers, just on those bases alone, to forget this nursing child. As I watched Sharon, it was as if she couldn't help herself that she was kind of driven, you know, that she was hardwired for this mothering, suckling, nursing thing. It was as if Sharon's life revolved around the little package she had. So when there was three of them, I had to look after the other two little packages. So she had this moment of bonding. And the baby did absolutely nothing. Our elders guzzled and gulped like a pig, but the other two were good. There's total dependency here. And I kid you not, the burps were not saying thank you for all that attention and for all that love. They're kind of getting ready to take the next lot. Motherhood. Now, let's not get squeamish about this, but this is the image that God uses to talk about himself towards us, his people. I shouldn't say another thing now and shut this place down for half an hour and let you sit and think about that image and transfer it to God or let God transfer that into your heart. This is how he related to Zion, this passage tells us, another word for Israel. Israel as a nation and Israel as individuals. This is how he relates to us as a church corporate and us as individuals. God is saying that this is the image he is using to give us some idea about how strongly, how powerfully, how detailed, how naturally, how unconditionally he loves us. It's in his nature. He's driven by it. To love as a mother loves her child. It's utterly natural for me to do this, says our God. Get a handle on that. Utterly natural.
He's saying that picture of motherly love that I've just painted is a dim hint of my indestructible love and my delight in you, in me, in us. God does concede, though, through the prophet Isaiah, as hard as it may be to believe that a mother may actually forget her baby. And we're all too well aware of babies being given up and abandoned for all kinds of reasons. Now, this is confession time for Sharon and I. We actually did forget our third baby at one stage, Daniel. Only trouble is, he was not a suckling baby. He was 12 years old. We'd taken him as usual to our home group meeting. We were living in Alice Springs at the time, ministering there, just a wonderful place back then in the 80s. And when it came time to leave at a rather late hour on that Friday night, which was the habit of our group, we hopped into the car, having grabbed our dishes and other stuff that we'd taken to share our meal that we had every week together. And we got just around the corner when we turned and looked at each other at the same time and said, Daniel! We quickly turned around and sheepishly appeared back at the front door of the home and the door opened to our amused home group. Have you forgotten someone? And then they stepped apart and there was Daniel. They remind us still this day because we still meet with some of those people of that incident. Irma Bombeck from USA has, in her when she was alive, did a lot of writing about motherhood. She's a comedic person and she has always maintained that the easiest part of being a mother is giving birth. The hardest part is showing up for it each day. I reckon, I reckon she's got something to say. So a mother may forget a baby. That's what God says. A mother on earth may forget a baby. But then he comes in with this incredibly reassuring statement in verse 15. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Feel forgotten by an earthly mother? Let's broaden this picture out. I will not forget you says our God. Whatever the failures of mothers, God does not forget. This is a very evocative and a very powerful image of God. God's love is like a mother's love for her suckling child, but with this difference, that even though occasionally a few human mothers may fail their children, God will not ever forget. God's attachment is way, way more than a mother's. I should have had this image. I could put yourself back and look at that image of contentment of a mother on earth nursing her baby and now blow it out exponentially to God caring and loving for us. As I've already said, sometimes our experience on earth of family love, of mother love, of father love, of sibling love are less than adequate. We may feel that we've been not nurtured as we have needed to be, that the love and compassion that we experienced was not as faithful as perhaps we needed. 
And often when we get to that situation, we can say about pictures like this, oh, I believe you're there, God, but our hearts are not with it. Can you hear, if that's your circumstances, God's saying that a mother's love gives you a picture of my love and I'll never forget you. Now, the the interesting thing about this is the setting of this scene in Isaiah's story. The nation of Israel has been in exile for almost 70 years. They've been away from their homeland. They've been away from Jerusalem. They've been away from their beloved temple. They've been in Babylon for the sin of the nation. A couple of generations has passed and they've been told by God, I'm going to take you back there. And so he says to them in verse 13, this is what I want you to do. Shout for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. And what's their response? The Lord's forsaken me. Can only see the dark side. They can't see what's coming. The Lord has forgotten me. It's as if the people of Zion, the people of Israel were saying, it's all very well and nice to celebrate God's compassion and comfort for his people, but look where we are. It's all very well for him to say that soon we're going to go home, but look where we are. Oh, we still believe him, but. There's only just a few brain cell connection. There's not this heart connection. God's given up on us. He's had us in exile for so long. And God's answer through the picture of maternal love that he has not forgotten. His caring, compassionate, nurturing, intimate love for his people in affliction. Later on in Isaiah, Isaiah 66, 13, when the people have started return, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, says God. In fact, God goes on and gives, it, gives those despairing people another image that shows he could never, ever possibly forget them. Verse 16 says, I have engraved you on the palms of of my hands follow straight on the mother image and this is the opposite of normal practice instead of the master's name being written on the servant's hand the servant's name is written on God's hand it's the complete opposite of what happened in that society forget you no way says God there is no way and the word engraved in the Hebrew means to get out a hammer and chisel and to cut that's a pretty vivid picture of what you know, you've, you've got to let your mind go a little bit. But that's a vivid metaphor. To get out a chisel and cut, that's what our names are done into the hands of God. It speaks of permanence, permanence. Not like something, you know, you want someone's telephone number and you haven't got a piece of paper this morning, you ride on your hand, what happens to it when you have a shower? It's gone. Not this one, it's engraved on there. It's chiseled on. God's hand, your name, your name, your name, our corporate name. And the word engraved is also associated with artistry. It's the work of a sculptor. You've all seen a sculptor of the statue of David. 
That came out of a block of marble, just this ordinary block of marble. And the sculptor could see what he wanted to make out of it that was beautiful and amazing. It's gawked at by people all over the world, that statue. When we are engraved on the hands of God, it is a work of art. You and I are a work of art to our God. When he sees our names there, he sees artistry and he sees beauty. Let it seep in. Let it seep in. I have grey engraved you on the palms of my hand is really an astonishing picture. When God looks at our name, can I put it this way, he has an aesthetic experience. We're there by the artistry of our God. It's also a picture of vulnerability. Remember Jesus, after his resurrection, he's alive again, the raised body. He comes to the doubter Thomas after the resurrection. What's he do? Look at the palms of my hands. See my love for you. See the nail prints. And those nail prints are there for us too because we're engraved on the hands of our God. Sensing you're forgotten, abandoned, not loved as you liked, take a look at the vulnerable hands that say, engraved, you're mine. Powerful pictures, not to be rushed over. I'd like now just to turn very quickly to another evocative and powerful image of God that we get. Another picture of his feminine side, if you like. And we know he's spirit, so he's neither male or female in that sense. But another picture. Jesus was on the way to Calvary. He's getting to the last weeks. And he was just finishing talking to the crowds and his disciples. A talk in which he gives the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, a bit of a serve. He called them blind guides, hypocrites, snakes, brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs. How would you like to be called all of that? And then this is what follows Right on top of it, the heartfelt words of Jesus to the very same people in Matthew 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Despite the resistance and the disobedience of the Pharisees and of the people in general, Jesus loves them and goes on reaching out to them, literally as a mother hen to her chicks. Up go the wings. Come under here, little chickies. It's another beautiful picture of our God. A picture of mother love. 
There was an article in National Geographic, it's probably 10 or 15 years ago, which provided an interesting picture of God's wings. There'd been a forest fire in Yellowstone National Park, which is one of the World Heritage listed parks in America. And the forest rangers began their trek up a mountain to assess the inferno's damage. One ranger found a bird literally petrified in ashes, perched like a statue on the ground at the base of a tree. Somewhat sickened by the eerie sight, he knocked the bird over with a stick. And when he gently struck it, three tiny chicks scurried from under their dead mother's wings. The loving mother, keenly aware of impending disaster, had carried her offspring to the base of the tree and had gathered them under her wings instinctively, knowing that the toxic smoke would do what rise. She's taken them down below it. She could have flown to safety, but she refused to abandon her babies. When the blaze had arrived and the heat had scorched her small body, the mother had remained steadfast because she'd been willing to die those under the cover of her wings would live. The psalmist, writing in a distressful situation in Psalm 91 verse 4, says this, He will cover you. This is God will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. It's bound up in the very essence of God to provide a kind of hiding place under his wings for us, his little chicks. God delights in spreading out his protective wings and enfolding frightened, beaten down, worn out people under the shadows of those wings. And when refreshment and regrouping has occurred, he lifts those wings and let us go off to continue our journey a little calmer, a little stronger, a little more secure. Two beautiful images of mother love. A suckling baby and a mother hen with her chicks under her wings. My prayer is today that we would find our God to be like this in the ups and downs of family life and life in general. For those who've not experienced mothers and family life that has been adequate for your needs and you feel a little disappointed and a little abandoned. For those who are parenting right now and wonder whether you have what it takes and perhaps you're even feeling a little battered by the parenting experience. For those who are confused by and concerned about the social climate in which we are raising our children today. Push beyond the mother scenes that you know, the suckling baby and a hen with its chicks under its wings and push through that to God. Let God push back on it to you with these pictures. So he didn't give words, did he? He gave pictures and pictures are there to evoke us and to, to keep us moving. Sometimes we just need to sit with these pictures in the quiet and let our God wash over us. 
These evocative mother images on earth paint for us a pale picture of the warm, caring, secure, intimate, compassionate and protective love that God has for us. Let's pray. Let those images come up. Some of you are imaginative enough to have those images. And just sit with the God who says, I'm way, way more than that. That's a pale picture. I'm way, way, way more than that to you. As you sit there, you can offer him the disappointments you may be feeling. Or you can offer him the gratitude you're saying today for your family life. Father, thank you for these beautiful images and there are more that you give us in your word to let us know that you will never, ever forget us and to show how compassionate and caring and nurturing your love is for us, how content you are in that love for us, how protective your love is for us. Write that on our hearts today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.